Right. Let's do this properly. Hi, John. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the first episode of the DeKalb County United Soccer Podcast, a podcast that is hopefully going to be about more than just DeKalb County United Soccer. My name is Nick, and joining me in this journey around non-league soccer in the US is going to be John Hall, President and Founder of DKCU. The hope is for the pair of us to talk to each other and anyone else about the club and the wider soccer community, and their experiences of soccer in DeKalb and the rest of the US. We hope you find it interesting and maybe even useful. So with that said, let's get things rolling. Okay, so if anyone's listening to this, this is going to be a bit rough around the edges because we genuinely have no idea what we're doing, but we're going to give it a go. Um, so, John, I guess the easiest way of starting all this is for you to go outside your comfort zone and talk about yourself for a little bit. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the goal, of, the goal of this podcast, as I understand it, is to sort of show that anyone can do what we're trying to do, that you don't have to be special, and... Lord above knows that you're not special. So what's your story, John Hall? Well, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think, I think uh, to your point, I think the, the whole angle here is to um, provide some background on what we've done that worked and what we've done that didn't work so that anybody wants to start a community club in the United States has a little bit of a playbook. And uh, certainly not everyone likes to read. And not everyone likes to watch videos, so we thought this was a fun little different mm-hmm. media to provide. So, um, yeah, our, our club... We don't claim we're doing it right, do we? Lord knows we got shit wrong. But. Oh, absolutely. We, uh, yes, we learn every day, and that's just part of it. But um, the, the, the great story of DeKalb County United, uh, the almighty powerhouse that we are, um, started back, um, well, probably... You know, I started daydreaming about it a little bit the end of 2016. And, uh, you know, for me coming, I, I grew up in DeKalb and Sycamore in, De, in the two kind of biggest towns in DeKalb County, right in the middle of northern Illinois. And I was a passionate soccer player, but my talent did not match my passion and uh, lacked a little motivation through my younger years. And I thought... As I saw some clubs popping up around here, I, I really thought, man, what a what a cool opportunity that would have been uh, to, if, if nothing else, to try out and, and support a club because I loved it. But there was no adult anything around here other than the, you know, the recreational leagues and such. So um, I played a little bit in junior college, played a couple of years, and I wasn't motivated by grades or anything. And uh, so you're a keeper, right? I, yeah, I played, uh, I was a short, in high school, I was a short uh, outside midfielder uh, because that was a good place to hide me. And then <laughs> I started to get a little taller and I wasn't, I wasn't seeing the field in high school much and kind of eased my way into that backup goalkeeper position. And, and through freshman, sophomore, junior year, I kind of, I got a little taller my junior year and I started to you know, I went from the backup goalie on like the sophomore team and then I kind of worked my way into the, uh, 
well, now we're going to split time with you. And then I only played one year of varsity soccer, which um, was surprising after all the club soccer I'd played that I still wasn't any good. And uh, played one year of high school soccer. We had a good year, uh, made our state run at DeKalb High School, which was wonderful. And that kind of got me the opportunity to go to Kish and play to Kishwaukee College and play goalkeeper there. And then, yeah, then you, you age out of everything and you're a superstar rec league player until the last five or ten years as clubs like us have popped up around the country where there's this uh, little more elite amateur level where you can continue to be part of a team more formally than hey i'll see you on sunday don't have too big of a hangover and Mm -hmm. uh so anyway so fast forward to my uh my DeKalb county united little story Uh, i guess yeah late 2016 we started thinking about a little bit and i approached uh uh one of our one of our players in town who was actually playing for uh, another club that's no longer around is Aurora Borealis. Um, and we had a couple, we had a couple of players that had gone over and played for them that were from here. And it just kind of, we, sorry, when you say we, as I understand uh, it, as I, the, the was is a fairly healthy wreck setup in little well, old County, right? Yeah. There's, there's a good, um, there's a good indoor wreck thing through the park district and then there's a there's one outdoor league in sycamore that's that's pretty good um but you know there certainly there's another level right especially if you're willing to put the time in and train and such so mm-hmm. um so i started talking to um uh, a fellow named colby was playing for aurora at the time but he's a super passionate guy uh from the area and i i i kind of mentioned to him one night before an indoor game i said and why don't we just start a club here? And he said, I'm in. And then we uh, ran with it. And, um, you know, with, with no, no funds, no money to put mm-hmm. into it. I have uh, now three kids, had a couple <laughs> young, young kids at the time and certainly wasn't uh, prepared to sink any money really into doing it, but I was willing and excited to kind of push the project and, uh, so that's kind of where it kicked off. That was uh, so when I first talked. Literally almost beer talk of like, you're my best mate, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, oh. I just had a, I'd have a drink of 815 Brunited from the Forge. Um, that's 815 Brunited. That's right. Um, so, yeah, so, so yeah, it was it was really like, well, he's played in the league a little bit. Uh, he's going to bring a lot of, of knowledge and background of what these leagues are like because I didn't – I mean, at that time, UPSL wasn't really even in the area – the Premier League of America was the league that they were playing in. And it just, I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't done the research to kind of get around and, and yeah. see what exactly this level was. Oh, so, for sure. I mean, we all know, right. Anyone listening to the podcast, anyone that's involved at this level, we all know what a minefield it gets to once you get beyond USL two, right. It's just chaos. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll get to that at some point in a later episode of this podcast. Hopefully the, the minefield that is, non-league soccer generally but um so yeah so when you when this was all happening in 2016 there was the chicago fire in mls and then there was aurora borealis about 25 miles down the road from dekalb yep. and what else within you know 50 miles 100 miles of well, any well, level so the so the real thing that that trip me off was Aurora started that was fine okay one team sort of close mm-hmm. 
But then the Elgin Pumas put a first team in. And now Elgin is the same thing a half hour from us. And we had this little triangle now. They still are, as far as I know, right? They're a a youth club that stuck a first team onto the top of it. Correct. Yes. Yes. And they they still are. Aurora were just a standalone, correct? Yes. Yes. Aurora was a standalone. So, So once there was two teams within a half hour, obviously, you know, your travel costs go down. They were both playing in the same league. So it was natural to think, well, we can drum up enough guys to go play in that league and have close travel. Um, and there was other teams like RWB Adria in Chicago, which is a very historic club, um, adult club. Um, and there was a few other ones kind of around and uh, just seemed like the timing was right that let's do something cool. Now, the other thing to, to tell my tale a little bit is I grew up in Sycamore until – the middle of eighth grade when my my parents bought a house in DeKalb and those are um pick the Derby you want to talk about Sycamore and DeKalb uh share that animosity towards one another so I was the um Sycamore guy moving to DeKalb and then trying to establish myself the the first friends I made were the soccer team there because we were in preseason camp a few weeks early before school started and so I I've always kind of had this draw, like I live in Sycamore now, but I have a, a tremendous loyalty to DeKalb soccer program. Um, and so I've always thought it'd be fun to find a way to do something, you know, without aligning myself too closely to one or the other, but it, in fact, to do something good for both and the greater county and all the other towns around, you know, there's several smaller towns. So, so for me to do something like um, DKCU that, could have a greater impact on so- not only soccer players from multiple communities, but for, for, you know, the philanthrop- philanthropic things we do, you know, giving back and things. And I, I, yeah, we can talk about all that later, but um, it really provided me personally with a platform like, yeah, okay. I could, I, maybe I couldn't, um, I couldn't necessarily hack it on the field as, as well as I would have liked, but I know what the, what a community can um, become with a, with a soccer club that they can rally around and the good things that can happen from it. And so it was very um, kind of rewarding just to find something. I could have got on a thousand different organizations in the greater County, but this one mm-hmm. is a sport club that I've always, a sport I've always been passionate about. So kind of let me kill a whole bunch of birds with, with one giant stone here. Yeah. Did you, I know you alluded to the fact that you wanted this to exist when you were 25 and in your physical peak. Did you ever have any illusions of playing for DKCU, even in 2016? I just yesterday I ordered a full kit. At full age, kit wanker. At all at, at age 38, because I want coach to know that I'm always available if there <laughs> are no options. So um, I'm in. No, I'm in. I'm. I would love, I love getting out uh, at some of the training sessions with the boys. They're a hell of a lot faster than me and much more technically gifted. And I don't like playing goalkeeper much anymore. So now I'm, I'm back to being that uh, out of place field player that uh, yeah. uh, Suffice it to say training, a training session embarrassment is uh, good enough for me. (laughs) Plus it kind of ruins my cred with the guys when uh, you know, when, when the guy on the board that, has such high demands 
you know, can't one touch very well. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it would have been great. You know, at, at age 22, 23, 25, mm-hmm. 29. Yeah. You wouldn't have dragged me off the practice field. I don't know that I'd have got sure. on the game field much, but um, I would have, <laughs> I, I think, would have I think provided. thing to, to flag though, isn't it? Is that this, you know, there is, again, there's no right way or wrong way of setting up clubs, but we see an awful lot of clubs that are set up for people to play. Yeah. And, because because play play is players are kind of transient, that club sometimes seems to struggle because there isn't a core of people who are sticking around and building it once they've taken off their shorts and their and their cleats. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree, and and that's not to say that's not to say that that doesn't work too, because sure. because I I think sometimes, um, and I don't mean to get off topic here, but this is what happens when you and I talk. <laughs> sometimes there's a disconnect between. Um, the the passion and the belief in the mission that maybe let's say the coaching staff has or the or our, we have a great volunteer staff. One thing I struggle with is how do you create that same understanding of what we're really about mm-hmm. in in even the players because um, you're always going to have um, you're always going to have volunteers, coaches, players any position within any organization that are there for different reasons, right? It does, even yeah. at your day job, some people are there for the paycheck. Some people would do it for free because they love it. And everybody else is in between. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's no different here. You know, I think that's one of the things that being, if, if we'd have done this um, and I was in a spot in my life that I could be around the team more, I think I could have, uh, just being around the team, I think I could have shared some of the, the what's and why's and how's and, and get the belief in the great, the badge, right? Believe, believe in the badge and what it represents. So if, if there's teams that are able to do that with their, whatever, I'm the president of the board, but whatever their title is, if they're, if they can do multiple things and it helps them get that message along better, because they're directly relating to those guys, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, whatever. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it, I, for us, I don't think it would work, but also there's times I think that there would be some benefit if I personally spent more time with our team instead of fully delegating to the coaching staff, you guys handle it and I'll pop out once in a while when I feel like it. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think there's necessarily right and wrong. I think you just, if you, you know, as we're trying to help other people think about starting a club. Uh, if you're in it for a place for yourself to play, there's a heck of a lot easier ways to find a game than mm. going through all this. If for you're, sure. if you're doing this so that you can have a project when you're done playing and you want to start it out by playing for a year or two or three to establish the culture that can work, but for sure, you know, there's a, like I said, there's a million different ways yeah. to go about it but it's good to think about those things because there's pros and cons to every different scenario yeah and it is lord knows it's not easy right um and i guess that's kind of something i wanted to address briefly as well is like your motivation for doing this that you've touched on in terms of you wanted there to be some sort of a pathway and we can talk about the success stories that we've had in getting players out of decalb almost um through decalb and onto bigger and better things at some point later on but um with as a father did you also think that maybe not maybe i'm putting words into your mouth was there any was there any thought to given to 
passing this on, shall we say, like creating something that was in DeKalb long after you were gone and dust in the ground? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely, Nick. That's That was um, the true story is we played um, our first – our first game against an opponent was April 14th, 2018. We played uh, the old boys out of Indianapolis and I met Andy Hayes, who I have become pretty good friends with. Um, and he, they drove up for a friendly, it was an indoor match because it was April and it's generally cold and we didn't want to deal with that for our debut to our community. And I met Andy and he said, well, this is great. This is really cool. I love this. You know, and, and we started sharing stories in person, which I'd done a lot with other people on the phone and emails and stuff as we were researching. But Andy's, Andy's question to me was, what, what's your end game here? Which is just what you're asking me, right? What's your end game? <laughs> well, um, I don't think that I'm going to be satisfied with our work. Uh, I'd love to see every player go on and play professionally. But to me, a sustainable club that can be here and and we can find the people to take it on and and I can step away and be a super fan and we can have this here and provide a platform that not only not only gives us um, elite adult soccer here, but it gives us that community club that does great things for the community. You know, I, yeah. I think I will touch on these later too. some of the um, the projects we've done, the virtual 5K we just wrapped up registration on. Um, we've put a lot of effort in um, providing these resources back to other nonprofits and other organizations that need us. And and, it, and that's I think I think what did we call this thing? More than a build it more than a soccer club. Yeah. Yeah we want to be more than a soccer club to our community. So when they think of us, they go, yeah, that's a really great organization. They do A, B, C, D, and E, and they also play games in the summer. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we can, the soccer is always going to be the fun part of it, but it isn't the most meaningful part of it in many ways. So, so for you me can... to, yeah, go ahead. Go. No. To, to go back to your original question, when I, when I have enough people or the right people that go, I love what you guys are doing. I want to be a part of it. And then eventually I can step away. Then I'll feel like we really built something that's um, long-term. And, and I, to be honest with you, I'd welcome if, if enough people came in and said, Hey, we think we're ready to take it to the next level. And why don't you step aside and just kind of hang out for a while? I'd be happy to, because it isn't, mm-hmm. it isn't about uh, building a, a legacy for, for myself. It's about building something that can be part of the community's fabric just like Sweet Corn, just like Cindy Crawford, just like Richard Jenkins, the dad from Step Brothers, um, all the all the things uh, the uh, DeKalb Ag, obviously the DeKalb Corn logo, all the things the agriculture barbed wire. Our soccer club could be that here, and mm-hmm. uh, you know we're year well we lost year three, but we're three years on, and I think I'm very proud of where we are. But mm-hmm. by no means we take it for granted. So, Not for um, sure. so yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a lot of, there's a long way to go, and that's the thing you never yeah. really get done working. So the thing that struck me in that big long monologue of yours was <laughs> way back when you said that the the idea, the germ, of the idea came in 2016. Mm-hmm. The first game was in April 2018. Mm-hmm. 
without I mean, we'll we'll talk about like setting the club up at some other point as well. Like I know we keep on alluding to at some other podcast, but you know this is the first one. There may be yeah. as many as seven. Who knows? But absolutely. What, but so, very very brief. Briefly, we um, so Colby and I started the conversations very early, and it was um, all right. First, you know, money rules the world, right? So. Mm-hmm. We, we knew enough about the league we wanted to play in. We knew who our competition was going to be. We put some rough budgets together and we figured, okay, we're going to spend, I think the first budget was like 30,000 bucks. And then like, all right, well, I don't have 30. Just pulling numbers out of thin air almost. Well, I mean, we broke it. We looked at like, well, this is what we think field rentals will cost. And we made some calls to some, you know, park districts and different things. And, um, you know, you look at uniforms, you look at uh, referee fees, you look at potential travel, you look at maybe some meals, you looked at, um, I'm a big fan of uh, insurance, you know, protecting yourselves, um, because that can be a problem. Uh, so it wasn't out of thin air, but it was certainly a from scratch budget, first run at it. And uh, then, then it became, a, okay, well, now we just became a fundraising group. Um, we need to really drum up some interest here so uh one of the first things we did obviously we started talking right like you have to take every meeting um and as you can probably tell i do a lot of talking so i took a lot of meetings and i requested a lot of meetings and just threw the idea at people you know and it in kind of i've told this story like sunderland till i die the first episode of the first season of that is they're in church right and it's that's what the community is about so I think, well, if I can explain this to people of why we're doing it and tell my story and tell, you know, how we can impact a great number of people, hopefully, um, maybe people will buy in. And if everybody tells us no, well, then it's gone before it starts. But so we started we started just kicking the tires on things. We put a survey out on our social media, just our personal stuff about, hey, if, if there was a semi pro soccer club in town. Uh, where would you want them to play? Uh, how much would you pay for tickets? Um, and, the, and the big thing that came from that was actually the name. I think we had seven or eight or nine names. And DeKalb County United was was the one that everybody picked. Now, mm-hmm. we didn't have to go with that. But as we fast forward and we gathered a few more people to be part of our initial board of directors or leadership group, which became the board of directors after we decided to go nonprofit, um, and I'll come back to that. Um, we decided like, this is the people's club anyway. So even if they're not paying members or whatever, what name are we going to come up with that more appropriately represents them than the one that they've informally told us they would want? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where it started. It was, it was very, you know, they, we all use the term grassroots. It was grassroots. We called our friends. We talked to everybody. We know a lot of people in town because we, most of us grew up here and you can, as you've seen, Nick, you name a place and one of us probably knows somebody that works there or can get us a meeting there. And it doesn't mean we're successful all the time, but you have that opportunity to, to do those things. So um, I'll touch on the, the nonprofit thing um, briefly, because I'm sure you're going to want to hear this. There's a, a lot of ways to set up the business and, and I'm not experienced in all of them because we picked one and it's worked for us. Um, obviously you could do an LLC thing if you're by yourself, whatever. Our whole intent here was never about making money. 
And I think that's, I think there's a lot of clubs like us, a lot of people like us that don't care about the money. It's about the experience and what it means, but there's also a hell of a lot of money in soccer at whether it's the youth level or the pro level or whatever. So for us, as we were going to market for the first time, man, how am I going to tell people that this isn't just me trying to make some money, right? The, the intent is we're going to do good things for the community. And if we're a nonprofit, that inherently tells people that it's not about the money. Now I know there's probably nonprofits that can make money and that's fine. And, but for us, it was about our initial launch that we're volunteers, first of all, and it's a nonprofit. So if you give us money, it's supporting the mission. You know, it's not going into my pocket. It's, it's going to pay our expenses and, and meet our mission. And, uh, that was the, the nonprofit paperwork and all that stuff was its own, you know, little <laughs> headache. But, but at the, you know, looking back, I don't think we'd have been successful out of the gate if we'd have gone another way. And mm-hmm. that's just the community here. That's the people here. Um, and it's, I think it's the way I was able to deliver that message to all the people that we talked to that, you know, this is a passion project. It's not a get rich quick scheme. And uh, I think people trusted us a little bit more because of that. So mm-hmm. uh, I would recommend it certainly to other clubs, uh, but I'm, you know, obviously there's plenty of other ones that are, you know, funded different ways. And, you know, some people want to have full control of everything. I, it, for us, it was never about one person having control. Let's put a board in place and there's checks and balances. And, um, and that's grown a little bit over, over time to uh, expand yeah. to our advisory board and things. But, so that's kind of where, where we came up with the business structure. All right, cool, cool. I think we're going to take a break here, not because I'm bored listening to you, but at some point I need to stick an advert in here, I believe, if Anchor's going to support this in any way, shape, or form. So stay on the line, John. I'm just going to go silent for a bit so I can put a cut in, and then we'll come back, okay? Sounds good. Okay, so in that run between 2016 and 2018 what was the first time you felt like you'd won something you'd got you know however small however big what was the first success you remember well the first thing um the first thing that we did that gave us a little hope first of all we had little victories right we talked to a lot of people you know with us playing in the rec league we talked to a lot of people that we're like, I love it. I think it's a great idea. So you had that like, okay, well, everybody seems to be on board with it. And then uh, we went to a local bar and pitched the idea. And this was very... To the bar? Just as like a... Use them as a base. To the bar requesting support financially. So okay, we, right. Um, we, we didn't have... I got to think back to my timeline here. I don't think we had um, the board wasn't in place. The, the nonprofit wasn't in place. The logo wasn't done. This was a complete cold call. I mean, we knew, we knew the relationship that there was a chance we would have some success, but, um, but certainly the, the, the hard no on your first pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's to be expected normally, but um, we, we, I think we would have been devastated and really taken that hard. And uh, we got, 
we got a positive response and a commitment. And that was kind of the first thing that was like, all right, you know, one for one, maybe this <laughs> it's easy. You know, yeah. yeah. Of course you go, well, maybe this is going to be way easier than I thought. And then on the side, that dream budget where we thought we could go full pro and pay everybody, maybe that's <laughs> attainable. Well, that didn't end up being even close, yeah. but, but I think without that first victory um, in the, you know, sponsorship um, sales pitch mm-hmm. um, and just sharing the, sharing the vision of what we wanted to become when, when somebody believed in it to make a commitment, I think that pushed us on and um, you know, gave us some confidence going in. For sure. Like someone who was outside, outside of your circle of soccer people almost. Just... I, yeah, I, and I'd actually never met him before in my life. So it was, right. uh, uh, Colby had a relationship with him, which that's how we got the meeting. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think that was, that was the great thing that we were able to, um, you know, get that first sure. check mark. And then, and then you go, okay, now we just got to do yeah. that again 300 times, you know. <laughs> and then I suppose the, the yin to the yang or the yang to that yin. What, what's your memories of the first kick in the teeth you got? You know, I think, I think the the probably the most powerful the po- most powerful kick in the teeth wasn't really a kick in the teeth. Uh, it was more of a lesson learned that um, uh, a, a fella named Steve Duran um, joined our board. He had a lot of experience in um, high levels of soccer in Virginia. And he was relatively new to the area and he worked with nonprofits and he was experienced in marketing and he was really the perfect fit for, for joining our leadership, getting out mm-hmm. of the ground. And um, st- I just ran into Steve a couple weeks ago. We still maintain, even though he's not involved with the club directly anymore. Um, Steve sat down at my kitchen table with uh, Colby and I, as we were, you know, I don't remember if this was before the bar meeting or after the bar meeting, but, um, Steve had a lot of experience in fundraising and doing these different things. And he, he gave us, I think, I think he gave us the speech we needed to hear more than anything was, uh, <laughs> you're going to go ask 20 people for money and you might get one. Yes. And as he was rattling, you know, we're, we're rattling off, well, we know this guy at this business and we know this lady at this business and this, these people here at this business. And he smiled as he's listening to us talk about how we're going to raise all this money. And he said, I think you guys are going to find out just how much people really like you. And he didn't Mm -hmm. mean that as a compliment. You know, he thought, (laughs) he said, you guys, you guys are going to find out that when you ask people for money, your friendship changes a little bit. And, and I think it did two things. I'd never really considered that in that way before. So Mm -hmm. that was. Why wouldn't they want to give me doing this for the community? That's right. And that's, I yeah. think that's probably one thing that a lot of clubs go through, right? You expect everybody to get as excited about it as we do. And that's never going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, in a, in a weird way, kind of like fired me up because uh, part of the, the whole project in those early days and months and weeks was everybody that tells me no just pisses me off. And it's it's almost like Michael Jordan in The Last Dance when he says, and that made it personal. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how it was. It was like, wait, you're you're telling me you're not willing to bet on me now. And I know what this can mean. 
and I know what we can do, but we need everybody to pitch in to do it. And yeah. if you don't want to be part of it, I'm going to do it anyway. And, um, and I don't mean that me. I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of people working on this. So, um, you just happen to be talking to me. So I'm telling my side of it, but, yeah. um, but I think that was Steve's, Steve's comments at my kitchen table one night was was really what changed my mentality of okay i i haven't proven anything yet like we have a great Mm -hmm. idea and we've dreamt about it but we haven't put anything in motion and it's going to be an uphill fight and then it kind of you know lace your boots up and get ready to go so that was that was a great point as well i guess you were all you guys were investing time which, as we all know, is valuable and time away from family and yada, yada, yada. But none of you are actually investing cold, hard cash. on Not on principle, as in we're opposed to it, but just like that's not the club you wanted to be. You didn't want to be a sugar daddy or to mortgage your house or anything, right? So yeah, and you that, can love that vision because you've got nothing to lose other than, you know, a night in front of Netflix. Yeah, and that's that's true. Uh, that, was another, that was another part of it was um, – we didn't spend it. We, we treated the uh, bank account, especially early on as if it was for your house, right? We didn't have a credit card. If we don't have 30 bucks in there to buy a banner, we don't buy the banner. And um, we were very, very cognizant of the finances as we started with zero. I think, and I got to think about it, what we did. I, we might've each put like a hundred dollars in just to start the checking account. Mm-hmm. And then when we, and then we, I think we bought Scar. Like we, we did a couple of things. We did some membership sales, I think, early on to try to get a couple of bucks in there, right? And then you go, all right, I got four hundred bucks. Let's buy some scarves and sell them and turn it into eight hundred. And you start mm-hmm. playing this game of like, all right, let's build up some cash, build up some cash. We're all along. We're trying to figure out. All right, we got to get to that thirty thousand, right? We got to have that for next year. For one year, we got to do that. And um so yeah, we didn't have to, we didn't put, um, nobody really put money in and we even paid mm-hmm. ourselves back out of scarf sales or whatever it was at the time, you know, we reimbursed yeah. ourselves. So, so it was really a zero cash outlay for anybody. And, and as I told everybody, and I continue to tell people if the community isn't interested in it anymore and it isn't, and isn't willing to support it, then we don't have to be here because mm-hmm that we're not going to force a uh, square peg in a round hole. If, if we're ready as a community to have something like this, then I'll champion it. But if the time comes when nobody's interested, nobody wants to come to games, players don't really care. We're then We'll just be, we'll be done. You know, Mm -hmm. like I said, we got, we have plenty of things to do with our lives. Even Netflix is kind of fun sometimes. (laughs) So then, you're going around cap in hand to all these local businesses and personalities and whatnot. And Steve says, you know, one in 20, if you're lucky, was he right? No, but no, we, we probably hit. um, And not that these are all like huge dollar sponsors or anything like that, but we probably hit 18 out of the first 20 were positive. So sweet once you start getting that momentum a little bit and, and you know, it's something I've never done in my life. I've never fundraised. Mm-hmm. I've never put together. I've never, you know, it's one thing to go, Hey, I'm raising money for sick dogs and cats. 
I'm raising money for a hypothetical thing that we don't have a logo. Where are you going to play? I don't know yet. Who's your coach? I don't know. Where are you going to get the players? Well, we're going to find them. Mm-hmm. And those were the, those were the way I was answering the question. Because and it's not even like you're setting up a baseball, a baseball or basketball squad, right? This is soccer in the Midwest. It's not, right. it's not everyone's first choice. It's not everyone's fifth choice of favorite sport to watch. So, right. yeah. So we, so that was, that was the hard thing. It, it was, we were successful um, in people believing in us, I think because we were passionate about what we were building. Not so much. Mm-hmm. It was, and I think, I think people, fortunately so, because we wouldn't be here if they weren't. But I think people generally were like, yeah, these are local guys. Um, they're, they're lifelong soccer people. It kind of, let's just throw a flyer at them and see what they do. You know, I mean, I don't think there was any great confidence in, in me or, or what we were doing, uh, specifically it was more like hey this these guys are super excited about it i want to mm-hmm. support somebody that's super excited about something and yeah. um so we no it was and it was great and but i'm also like i didn't go to the hardest sells first because i'd never done a sales pitch right i've never mm-hmm. gone sat in front of somebody or sat in a bank president's office and explained to him what we're doing and asked <laughs> for money um so we didn't do those ones right out of the gate. You know, we started with the people we leveraged every personal relationship we had friends, family, aunts, uncles, uh, neighbors, you know, everywhere we went, it was word of mouth. Um, it became a talking point then as, as once we launched a little bit, you know, I think, uh, the timeline of that first year in 2017 was, um, I think in by May we kind of had we decided for sure we were going to go nonprofit. It was all right. We're going to target a 2018 kind of debut on the field. So we're in May of 17. Got the nonprofit stuff started. Got our board of five, um, which was um, Colby, Steve, uh, my wife Jenny, who has a background in um, event planning, played soccer in college. Uh, she was she's been great. And Brian Van Buren, who's a financial whiz and played for NIU, went to Sycamore. Um, it was just kind of like a really great first small group of five people to be involved. And, uh, and we dug in. We were meeting, I think we were meeting every two weeks. The emails were relentless. Um, but we did. We, we leveraged everybody we could, everybody we knew. And the five of us kind of, grew this thing. And once we launched in July with the logo and the big announcement, even though at that time we had, I'm going to say $500 in our checking account as a club. So like, there's no way we're going to pull this off, but let's launch anyway and see what happens. And, um, and we just kind of stuck with it. And then at that point it became, it was a coffee table conversation everywhere you went. Hey, how's the soccer thing Mm -hmm. going? Well, guess what? That's an opening for my sales pitch, and <laughs> um, and it's and it was great. I mean, it was it was and it is it still continues to be a lot of fun. It, it's a it's a cool project to be a part of. But those early days were just like starting any business, I would imagine. Hustle, hustle, hustle. You know, and it's mm-hmm. we were we were up late at night. We were out on the back deck working on all kinds of things. We uh, we had a I think eleven hour day one day, just sitting at the table working on the laptops. 
just mm-hmm. putting stuff together. So Crazy. there's a lot of, lot, yeah, there's a lot of uh, cool, kind of cool history, at least in my head there is. That um, <laughs> Was it cool at the time? Uh, yeah. I said, you know what? I think one of the things, as I reflect back on it to this point, is I learned a lot about a lot of things that I never had done mm-hmm. before. And yeah. that's everything. I mean, everything that comes with the club was brand new to me, other than the soccer. I don't even deal with any of that. You know, mm-hmm. that's coach and the players deal with that. So everything else we're doing is new to me. So even, you know, it's helped me a lot in my, in my day job and it's helped me a lot in just relationships and, and life and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, you gotta put, you gotta put the blood and sweat and tears into it to get the, you know, to get the big, the big win at the end. For sure. For sure. In terms of evolution, um, you know, is the club, today or you know the last game of last season or whenever you want to think of the club is it what you thought it would be is it completely different where is it in your in the on the spectrum that's a great question um to to so the funny thing is i never thought too far into the future because we didn't have the guarantee that there was a future Mm -hmm. you know and and the time that that actually struck me that I should probably start thinking long-term was at the end of our first season. You remember this cause you were 10 feet from me. Um, our, our um, live stream announcer, Brian was in the booth and I did a, on the last game, I jumped in and did like 10 minutes with him on the live stream mm-hmm. in the last game. And he goes, so are we going to be back next year? And I said, well, <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, this year went, you know, that was 2018. I said, yeah, that was pretty good. I guess. Yeah, we'll just keep going. And um, at that point, I was, again, it was one little comment that made me go, oh, shoot, I've failed. I've failed the club by not having that five-year vision. So mm-hmm. I think that, uh, I think where we are is fantastic. Um, do I think we're stable? Yes. Do I think we'll be here forever? I don't know, because there's a lot mm-hmm. of factors to that. Um, but I think we're definitely... Uh, the the clubs I talk to around the country, I think many are not that we're we're by no means the biggest, strongest, fastest, most powerful at this level. No. But I think with our volunteer group and um, I think I think some of the social media stuff that we put out, I think some of our community initiatives, and we're, we're even even with us now, we're relentless in our communication. You know, I mean, I think our social media stuff's fantastic. Um, certainly you do, you do a wonderful job on that stuff. Um, but I think we're always, we got so many people kind of working in the background now that there's always some fresh ideas that I think we're in a great position. And I think a lot of clubs would be envious of where we are. Mm -hmm. Um, but by no means, you know, I I don't know that you're ever at a spot where you feel like, yeah, we're, we take it for granted now because we we can't. No, certainly not. I mean, you know, we don't need to talk about the whole COVID thing and the time that we're recording this and the, the chaos that we're in right now. But I think even if this had been a normal year, right, there's still only year three. And, you know, I, I come from England. Clubs in year three go by the wayside. Whether you, we don't, For every FC United of Manchester, every AFC Wimbledon, there's Sunday league clubs who make the leap up to, into, inverted commas, proper non-league and then realise it's a terrible idea. And then that club is no more. Um so for an American non-league club to say, that's it, we've, we've nailed this. We are, we are a shoo-in to be here in 2050, in 2060, in 2070, is just 
mind-numbingly naive. And I'm not saying I've seen anybody shouting that, but I think, you know, US soccer is changing so much. It's changed so much since you and I spoke in 2016. It's changed so much since I became aware of a world outside of MLS when I was still in England. Um, and so many people, by the by, so many people in England don't know that there is a world outside of MLS, you know. Um, and it's growing, but not even in England, just anywhere outside of North America, people don't know there's a world outside of MLS because there isn't a world outside of the NFL. There isn't a world outside of the NHL, in theory. So why would there be a world outside of MLS? But to my wider point, I think that the community that has grown up around this soccer club may leads me to believe that, you know, God forbid you got knocked over by a bus, the club would still keep going, which I kind of think in a roundabout sort of way is what you want. Whether it would, whether anyone would stand up and drive it the way that you drive it, I don't know. And that goes back to your earlier point of you want to at some point take a back seat, but mm-hmm. there isn't anyone here yet to do that. I think most, I think every club, whether they're setting up today, tomorrow, in five years' time, needs a John Hall, but it also needs a continuation plan. Yeah, I, I agree. And, it, and it, you know, I think that's one of the things for me is it's not the it's not that I want to um, even. Uh, yeah, I'd love to be able to step away from the extra hours I spend working on it, but I do enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I am still learning from it. And I want I want that next group of people um, and, and many of them may be currently working with the club, you know, where as as roles evolve and things. But I want I want to see some some group of people that says this is really cool. It's very different than what I do at a day job. I want to be a part of it. Oh, you hear the neighbors' dogs barking as I'm sitting out on my patio, <laughs> and um, and take it to the next level, or at least give it a better shot of that long term sustainability. Because my resources are limited, my contacts are limited, and at some point we need new people, new new ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, new relationships and all those things. So, um, but I, yeah, to your point, and someday we'll keep talking about the next podcast, but sometime <laughs> I want to hear uh, a little bit more of your experience in England and, and things that you and I still have not taken the time to talk about, because I think there's a lot of, even though that's maybe a more established system, the problems exist there. Just like they oh, good Lord. money yeah. rules the world. Um, you know, I think their league structure may be a little better. Our leagues continue to be a little, <laughs> our associations are fluid or, things like that. So um, I think there's a lot of maybe examples that you could share with people of things that you've seen or heard in other areas Mm -hmm. that, that maybe are a little bit less, um, you know, I guess it would apply even more than maybe some of our experiences with the club. Well, I certainly hope so. I'd love to talk about that, but I think, you know, for that brings, we're not going to talk about it now. And I, part of me hopes we never talk about it, but the, the great big dark shadow over all of this is pro rail, right? Um, and you and I have discussed this at length, and maybe we will. We'll probably have to at some point talk about it. Um, I probably won't ever get Ted on. Is Ted still a thing? Have you heard from Ted? I, maybe I blocked him on Twitter. I don't know. Anyway, point being, um, ProRail. This isn't a podcast about ProRail. It's a podcast about non-league soccer in the USA, and you can't talk about non-league soccer in the USA without ProRail. But my God, I'm going to try my damnedest to get through it until we do. Until we have to. Because there's a thousand one more interesting topics. Am I right? Yeah, no, I agree. I got, I've got plenty of opinions, and and you know, I think we could go round and round about it. But 
Um, the fact is, especially at, at this non-league, um, elite amateur, semi-pro, I don't care what you call it, uh, lower level adult soccer, <laughs> they're just, we're just not ready yet. There, there's not the saturation. Um, there's, there's just, it's not there. And I think part mm -hmm. of, part of what the greater scheme and, and actually how this podcast came about too, is I want to help as many clubs find ways to start a, or, or you know, to start yeah. in their communities because we can be ready for pro rel sometime at this level when we have a team in Sycamore and a team in DeKalb absolutely, and a, team, and a team in Rochelle and a team in Dixon and a team in Aurora and a team when in St. Charles. I'm, I moved around the UK a fair bit before I came over here, but the last place I lived was a town, was near a town called Mansfield, which is just north of Nottingham, For Nottingham Forest and Notts County and all that. Um, and dedicated soccer fans will know about Mansfield Town, who I didn't get on with, but that's for a different story. But they were... Division two at the time I left, right? So fourth fourth tier. Um, outside of that, I was about what seven miles north of Mansfield. Um, within five minutes of drive of my house, there were probably eight or nine options of clubs of a DeKalb size, of a Stockade size, of a pro. Um, Providence size of a, you know, whoever size, but, you know, easily pulling in 100 people, easily pulling in 150 people, five, 10 clubs within five minutes of me. If we get to that point, then that's a different conversation. Well, and, I, and that's, that's exactly it. And, you, and think of your geography there. I mean, we're, we're trying to do this on a, such a huge geographical scale mm -hmm. that, that it has to be broken down into, it, first of all, somebody at the top has to organize it. And it has to be broken down into small regions or small pockets of areas or whatever. But overall, without getting into pro rel, I just don't <laughs> think we're ready. I love the idea. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be fun. But at the end of the day, does, does pro rel make my club sustainable longer right now? No, not right now. Because mm. promotion is probably going to cost us money, which could jeopardize our existence. So. Absolutely. That's that, where I draw the line on anything. That, you know, I will, I'm going to wind this down very soon, but that also alludes to um, another hat that you wear in terms of the organization of the fledgling Midwest Premier League, right? In DeKalb County being a, a, one of the inaugural teams in that setup. Um, and we will talk again about the reasons for moving away from the UPSL and to you and a couple of other of our colleagues setting up this league that's, you know, trying to look after the clubs in a way that we believe other leagues aren't necessarily as focused on. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Yep. Yeah. Um, but but oh, that obviously being you know, trying to build up more local rivalries rather than trans across state rivalries and all this nonsense. Um, so, yeah, we will definitely talk about the Midwest Premier League and leagues, league structure generally and the whole pyramid at some point. When did you... This is my last question that I had planned. When did you think you were onto something. When was the, I asked you about your first win, but when did you think actually this, um, I was right that DeKalb can support this? Okay. Well, I, I'm going to say that that was our first, um, you know, I watched um, Lansing had their big unveiling Lansing common FC. Yep. Lansing common. So from what I can tell through social media, they had a, just a bang up night, you know, had a mm -hmm. great release. Um, 
lot of coverage, a lot of things, a lot of things better than we did. I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. Um, but I think for us, it was a similar moment where um, we launched in July, but we didn't, you know, we don't have players. We hadn't had tryouts. We didn't know where we were playing. We didn't have a coach, but uh, we got to, I think, November and we did a meet and greet, which was just a community. You know, you've all seen us on social media. We've, we've targeted all the youth soccer clubs. We've, we've done all the kind of grassroots stuff, but now we want to give you a chance to come meet us. Uh, we did that at, at Taxco restaurant in Sycamore. We had um, Chamber of Commerce ribbon cutting at that, at that event. So we had a lot of community members there, um, even if just for a short time. But it gave people a chance to come talk, have a meal, have some hors d'oeuvres or whatever. And, you know, it's a, it's a, not a huge place, but we had a hundred and I don't know, we kind of guessed like 150, 125 people. I don't know, like a decent number of people there. Um, we sold some t-shirts there. Um, actually that week, I think that was on a Thursday. I think that Tuesday is when we were able to strike the deal with NIU to play there for a home venue. And I think that gave it a little bit more legitimacy. Now we're not just a logo. We have a, we have a home a place to play. Um, I don't think we had hired our coach at that time. I think that came a couple weeks or a month later. Uh, but, but that was it. You know, we had a, we had a good showing because we had a, um, you know, the whole board was there, had the chamber of commerce. And if it would have been an empty room, you know, what a setback, but it, it, the, the, the room was perfect because the room was full the whole time. And, um, you know, we really, we left that night and everybody was kind of buzzing, you know, not, mm-hmm. not from booze, just we were, we were excited. So I think that was the thing where we went, okay, well, let's keep moving, you know. Would you do it again as of right now? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, like I said, that uh, I think we've impacted a lot of people. I think we've impacted uh, a good number of players that have had a good experience here. Uh, we, I, I feel confident we must be doing something right because we have such great volunteers uh, and staff, a uh, staff that, uh, as you know, Nick, I mean, there's constant banter, there's constant communication, and we've become friends through it. Uh, we've kind of created a community within our community of staff and uh, yeah, and all the things I've learned. And I, yeah, I think it's been wonderful. Um, I wish, I wish some things we could, uh, could have done a little better. I wish there's, um, you know, I could always wish we could be a little farther along in our sustainable plans, but um, yeah, I'm I'm pleased with where we are. I'm pleased with where we're headed. Uh, just can't ever take your foot off the gas, at least not <laughs> that I can see. Yeah, certainly, and definitely not even this year. Um, okay, I think that you know we're we're rolling into an hour, so well done anyone who's still listening to this. Um, where can anybody who doesn't know who you are find you, John Hall? online without stopping oh, your geez. house oh geez um probably probably if you really want to find me the easiest way is to go to dkcunited.com and and i get i i along with others get the contact at dkc united email that's probably mm-hmm. the easiest way to get me and then uh and i can hit you back and and i've tried uh one, one of the cool things i think about trying this this podcast platform is i like everybody else read through um stockades uh, wonderful written pieces. God love Dennis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, if Dennis wouldn't have done that, I think there's a lot of clubs that wouldn't be here. 
but I was also fortunate, you know, I took the time to reach out to many, many other clubs. And I, I guess in some ways I'm, I'm proud that I've had a good number of clubs reach out to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to pay that forward and, you know, help. Yeah. Keep, um, that's, 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 that's certainly the goal here, right, is that we want to get those people on as well. You know, we, we'd love to speak to Dennis, but we're, we'd, I'd also love to speak to the guy that didn't manage to make a success of Aurora, you know, and all points in between, because yeah. everybody's got a story to tell and everybody's got wins and failures. And the more we know, the better we all get. And that's that, folks. Thanks for listening. Please get in contact whether you like us or not. If you want to be featured on the podcast, get in touch and you know tell us your story. We'd love to have you. Lord knows we don't want to listen to John all day, every day. Um, we're on the socials. John said we're on dkcunited.com. See you in a couple of weeks.